that time. The Sports Talker. Here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Almost at the end of the week. <clears throat> the weekend is in sight. Hope everybody is having a good day. I'll start the show by wishing my brother, Jonathan, a happy birthday. He is getting uh, extremely old. Not quite to Yates' age limit just yet, uh, but he is 28, so he's up there. Uh, he's been on the show before. When he was on the show, I think we spent the majority of the show. This was back during March Madness. Uh, making fun of my sister. It was probably one of the better sports talkers that we've had. Uh, but happy birthday to him. Hope it's a good one. I, I think his girlfriend got him tickets to the UK-UNC game on Saturday, so that's a pretty good gift. I'm sure he'll be pumped to be there. And we're going to talk about that UK-UNC game today. We're going to talk about that UK-UNC game tomorrow. Uh, I thought we'd probably talk about it a little bit more today, but... We're gonna have to we're gonna have to recap what happened last night with Kentucky and Columbia. Not a great performance at all, and that's putting it lightly for Kentucky <clears throat> against the Lions from the Ivy League. I I thought it'd be an ugly game, and I thought UK might not look their best. Although I didn't think that it would be that ugly. I didn't think UK would struggle. For that duration, at no point did they really dominate the game. They did go on a run, but even that run, it, it was more of Columbia kind of making stupid mistakes and also just missing some decent looks. So UK looked far from dominant. And again, I, I thought it would be ugly. I didn't think that you were going to see uh, Kentucky, you know, put up 80 points or 90 points. I didn't think I, I thought the 26 points being a 26 point favorite seemed a little bit high. But I, I didn't think it'd be that big of a struggle. Columbia jumped out to 11-0 start to the game, led at halftime, and it wasn't until the second half till Kentucky got a lead. And again, the interesting thing about this Kentucky team, and this is how it is for most really good defensive teams in college basketball, but again, especially Kentucky, is how a eight-point lead, which is that was kind of the, the margin for late in the second half, an eight-point lead for Kentucky – can feel like a, a 24 point lead. So while Kentucky never really seemed in doubt of losing late in that second half, it was only about a, you know, an eight to 10 to maybe 12 point lead. Uh, but you, but you knew once Kentucky had that lead and, and was locking in on defense that it wasn't going to be an issue. So we're gonna talk more about that game. Uh, three point shooting continues to be a big concern. And I, I, I continue to, to talk about how I don't think that's a big issue for Kentucky, but I continue to seem seemingly to be wrong. Uh, again, another, uh, another bad three-point shooting night for for the Cats. So we're going to talk a lot about that game. Uh, we're going to preview the UNC game. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball recruiting. We're going to talk a little bit about football. Some a big pickup for the Cats today. Uh, so <clears throat> should be a fun show. Yates, how are you? Doing well, TJ. How are you? That's good. That's good to hear. There. Uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to Trevor's show yesterday, but you two didn't go at it because of the movie question, did you? Uh, we went back and forth a little bit, but it wasn't. Uh, we didn't take up the whole show with it or anything. Oh, that's good to hear. Uh, I've, I've, Trevor does a good job with his show, and I didn't want to put you in a bad spot, putting you on the spot. He obviously taking advantage of Ask Gates Wednesdays, uh, but I'm glad that it, it worked out well. I, I, I still, I was thinking about it a lot. I really was thinking about it last night, just how anybody could dislike The Dark Knight. So, uh, unbelievable on his part. 
Again, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, it was a Wednesday. And if you're not listening on Wednesdays, I don't know what's the point of listening at all. Uh, anyway, so uh, big, big sports day for UK. It was an interesting night of college basketball, kind of a, a, a sneaky good night. I watched a little bit of that Gonzaga-Washington State game. And Washington State's not very good. They're, I don't know if you can hear Puppy Abe is, is being very vocal today. Uh, he might have to go outside. Thought he was going to be better than this. Anyways, Washington State's not a good team. They have a losing record on the year. Uh, and they played Gonzaga, though. And Washington State did a pretty good job. Gonzaga's been killing most teams this year with the exception of the close loss to, uh, to Arizona. But it kind of hit me during this during this game. And Gonzaga's one of those small, big programs. They've kind of been in the uh, maybe, I don't know if you'd say a household name, but in terms of mid-majors go, when you think of mid-majors, they're right up there with Wichita State, with Butler, but they've been the one that's been around a little bit longer. But watching them last night, I am fully convinced that they are, I don't know if I would say significantly better, but I think that they're probably eight points better than Wichita State last year. And that was a Wichita State team that went undefeated until the NCAA tournament. <clears throat> I think if Gonzaga played the schedule that Wichita State played last year, and again, that was a really bad schedule, uh, they would go undefeated. But this year, they're, they're playing a tougher schedule. Uh, it's not unbelievably difficult. They're going to play uh, UCLA... And then they're going to play their their conference schedule, which isn't uh, the West Coast Conference isn't great for basketball. They're going to play Memphis late in their year later in the year. Memphis hasn't been great, so I could see a scenario where Gonzaga finishes the year with only one regular season loss. Uh, there might be some hiccups somewhere down along the road, but I, but I think that uh, they are significantly better than everybody they're going to play. I think they're better than the the Wichita State team that went undefeated last year, and and I think they're a legitimate Final Four contender. Uh, they they have talent, they have depth on the front line, they have they can score outside, they can score inside, and they've got a point guard, a good point guard, and they play pretty solid defense. Uh, so watch out for for Gonzaga finishing the rest of the year unbeaten. Now BYU is going to be a tough game. They play BYU. Uh, they, they've got some games that might be more difficult than others, but I, I, I don't know if I see a loss on that schedule. But it was a stinky good night in college basketball. Kansas is starting to look like they're turning the corner a bit. Uh, they they beat Georgetown in a game that you almost kept waiting Georgetown to to do just to, to wear out Kansas and do just enough to, to get Kansas to fold uh, in a tough environment, but they didn't. Kansas stayed strong, hit a lot of clutch free throws. Um, Kansas made 10 three-pointers. They're going to be tough to beat if they're going to be hitting that many shots from behind the arc. Uh, still just a, a very vanilla and bad game from Kelly Oubre, who played 16 minutes, uh, which is more than he's been playing. Did finish with seven points, was able to get to the line a little bit late in that game. Uh, he's It's just unbelievable how disappointing and underwhelming he's been for the Jayhawks this year. Uh, there's a, a story that I did on catsillustrated.com right now uh, recapping everybody that Kentucky missed out on in 2000, 
14, the recruits that they missed out on. They only signed four guys. That was the second smallest class or tied tied for the smallest. There's two classes that have four guys, but tied for the smallest class John Calipari's had since he took over at Kentucky uh, and missed out on a lot of targets. Uh, Tyler Ulis was a, a clear backup option uh, after Emmanuel Moutier. And <clears throat> you had them go after uh, several other bigs that, that they weren't able to to bring in. And then late in the game, they went after some more guards thinking that, hey, the Harrison twins could leave, James Young could leave, and they could be left with Dominique Hawkins, Tyler Ulis, and, and they went after some other guards and were able to get uh, anybody. So out of the guys that UK did recruit and missed on, I've recapped what they've been doing this year, how they've been playing, and who would be a good fit uh, we had this discussion on the show yesterday whether or not you take Stanley Johnson or James Blackman Jr. Uh, so they're both obviously on this list. Uh, so here's some of the guys that UK missed on last season on the recruiting trail that are now freshmen. Um, they obviously signed the four that they have, Booker, Towns, Lyles, and Ulis. Uh, but then they went after Jaleel Okafor, it was never it never seemed likely that Okafor would end up at UK. I think he was obviously there was the package package deal between Jaleel Okafor and Tyus Jones. Okafor always seemed a little bit more op, uh, open to the option of of playing at Kentucky, but Tyus Jones never never seemed like that was a a realistic possibility. So uh, Okafor was a guy that UK went after, didn't get. Again, not super likely that he would have been uh, would have gone to UK ever. Uh, he's been great, probably one of the best freshmen, if not the best freshman, uh, one of the better players in college basketball this year. So, yeah, it would have been nice for Kentucky to get Okafor, but they're fine on the front court. So that wasn't a huge loss. Emmanuel Moutier was a guy that UK went after, didn't get. Uh, that worked out. That was a blessing in disguise as he didn't it didn't look like he would have been eligible for college basketball this year. He's in China right now, averaging just under 18 points a game, six rebounds and six assists but has a, uh, has a sprained ankle and could be cut by his Chinese club. Uh, he's missed some time, and, and they the Chinese team, I, I, I think they've done really well with Moutier on the bench, are thinking about just cutting him loose, paying him the money that, he owe, that they owe him, and, and letting him move on. Uh, wouldn't that be interesting if that were the case? Uh, Moutier has often been considered and labeled by me. I, don't, I, I guess other people have been considering and labeling him this. Uh, but they he's often been considered kind of a, a a test case for if you're going to see top recruits do this down the road go to china get your go overseas go somewhere get your money and then go to the nba instead of playing one year college basketball where you're not going to make any money uh, but if this is the case where they cut him and he gets his money and then has to wait for the nba i don't think that's going to be very appealing uh, to other 17-year-old kids debating whether they want to play college basketball or go overseas and make money. Uh, so that'll be interesting, something to watch. have a, a tweet in from Captain Arctic UK, who, who listens to the show, and we appreciate appreciate your listening. I appreciate you tweeting in. So San Diego State, Long Beach State was a good one. It was, on, it was only on ESPN3, and Long Beach State kind of uh, blew the game. I was following that game just on my phone, not watching it on ESPN, but following the stats. And uh, when I went to bed, it was a very low-scoring game, very, very low-scoring. It started me to it 
led me to believe that San Diego State and, and Fisher's team is overrated, which is disappointing because I like I like Fisher and I, I you know it's more fun when you have some de- half decent teams out on the West Coast. Uh, but they were lo- I saw that they were losing that game. I think it was like forty two to forty eight late in that game, and then somehow ended up winning. I saw this morning. Uh, 60 to 59 over Long Beach State. Long Beach State plays Louisville later in the season. They've always kind of been this pesky little team. Uh, so, good win for San Diego State. I'm sure that was an entertaining game. I missed it. Uh, you also had Utah BYU. That was an exciting game. Utah beat BYU. And then this was the the upset of the night. Nebraska losing to it, it, it. I've just got the abbreviation here, but uh, it was I think one of their first games against a BCS opponent. Incarnate Word Yates is that accurate? Uh, yeah, that's that's who beat Nebraska last night. Now I I didn't know that that was a school. I didn't know that that place existed. I think I remember having heard that name before, but I mean, who knows? It could have been like a high school name that I heard because I'm sure there's a high school that's named that. It sounds like a AAU team name, and you get some really funny AAU team names. And that, that they're they're six and one on the year. They're one loss to UTEP, uh, but they go in and beat Nebraska. Nebraska's kind of been a, a trendy basketball program, not ranked this season, and, and not really having uh, Miles as a coach out there. Not really having the season that they would have probably hoped at five and three, and especially losing that game. I think I saw today that they paid uh, Incarnate Word. Uh, I, let's just call it Word. A hundred thousand dollars to come play that game. That's a, a pricey paycheck for a loss. So that was interesting. Hey, you, it really does sound like an AAU team name. Anyways, uh, so a good night in college basketball, and and it's. We're going to need more like this with football, college football being over for the most part. Now you just kind of have some bowl games, uh, NFL winding down, and you don't have NFL games till Thursday anyways. Uh, I'm disappointed to announce that I'm out of my fantasy leagues. I was made the playoffs in both, was a two-seed in one of my leagues, and uh, got upset. So <clears throat> now I can just focus on being a, a 100% Packers supporter and not have to pick and choose and follow fantasy games, but... Uh, disappointing year in fantasy, nonetheless. I did everything I could to get my team in my big money league into the playoffs, but uh, laid a stinker last week against the number one seed. Never really had a chance. Uh, anyways, I was talking about the players UK missed on and, and kind of going down the list. Uh, I, I won't go into detail about every player, but Emmanuel Moutier was one that they really put a lot into and missed. Stanley Johnson was another player they put a lot into and missed out on. Kelly Oubre, again, who I mentioned earlier, Kansas, has, hasn't been good. Tyus Jones, another guy that UK recruited. Again, it never seemed super likely. Now, here's a name that you might have forgotten about. Rashad Vaughn, and he's at UNLV. Uh, This was an interesting recruitment between UK and him. UK went after him during the summer last, I guess, if he signed in 2014. Uh, So the summer of 2013, UK was recruiting him, this and that. And then come the fall, UK kind of keyed in on some other options. They keyed in on Moutier. uh, They keyed in you know, on Stanley Johnson at the three to play a three-two role. And they kind of forgot about Vaughn and stopped recruiting him. Well, sure enough, UK misses out on this guy, misses out on that guy. They went all in on Vaughn again. 
after basically stopped recruiting him, they went on on him. He ended up staying out west. He went to Finley Prep and uh, stayed out in Las Vegas, went to UNLV. He's been great for the Rebs, averaging 16 points, four rebounds as a freshman. That's pretty impressive, uh, regardless of where you're at. Miles Turner, UK fans got to see him up close and personal in Texas. And then James Blackman Jr. So that's kind of the list of UK of guys UK went after. And you can go on Cats Illustrated and, and see their stats and their numbers and uh, how they would have fit in at UK had they gone at UK and if UK's really missing them. Really, I think it comes down to the two players that UK really misses on this team, Stanley Johnson or James Blackman Jr. And there's much there's better players. There's much better players than James Blackman Jr. on this list. Almost all the big guys mentioned before him are, are are better players that I would take if I was building a college basketball team. But the Cats are so loaded in the front court that they missed out on these guys, and it's not the end of the world. But for guards like James Blackman Jr. and, and Stanley Johnson is a guard, but he's a wing, and, and UK doesn't have a true three. Those two guys were big misses at the time and still seem to be big misses. You take either one of those two guys, and, and I don't think you have games like you did yesterday, and I don't think, uh, if you have James Flagman Jr., I really think Kentucky could realistically go 40-0, and and I've always been against talking the 40-0 talk and, and saying the F word, uh, but if you get a shooter like that, uh, that, that would certainly work without a doubt so you can check out that article tell me what you think as always we already got uh, one tweet in the show but you can text in the show tweet in the show whatever you got to do love to hear from you today <clears throat> what you're looking forward to uh, and captain Ark tweets back in to remind to remind me that vaughn's the leading scorer in the big west i didn't know that but that is that's impressive uh, as a matter of fact i don't even know if i knew that unlv was in the big west uh but uh, that's impressive. The, the thing is, UK misses him, I'm sure, just from a guard standpoint to have another option. But he's very similar to the, one of the Harrison twins and the way he scores. Not a great three-point shooter, Vaughn isn't. So uh, I think Stanley Johnson, and uh, who's not a great three-point shooter either, he's okay, uh, but can impact the game in other ways and is one of the more physically dominant big wing players, swing players in the class. And then obviously James Blackman Jr. shooting just under 50%. He was at 56% on the year from three until that Louisville game. And I think that dropped him down to 48 or 49%. So uh, it, it would have been nice for UK to be able to land one of those two guys. Uh, but I did mention that Vaughn's game is similar to one of the Harrison twins, Andrew or Aaron. Uh, but it would it was a bad night last night to, to be Andrew Harrison, not a, uh, and really not a fantastic night to be Aaron Harrison either. Uh, the Harrisons combined to go 7 of 27 shooting, 1 of 10 from 3, 3 of 5 from the free throw line. Uh, not one of their better shooting nights. And that, that looked a lot more like the Andrew Harrison we saw this time last year versus back in March. It, it looked like the, the tweak had been untweaked and that was the Andrew Harrison that we were seeing. Uh, forcing a lot of stuff. Nothing came easy. Looked like he was bothered. And, and you hear a shooter, and Andrew Harrison is not really known to be a shooter, but uh, you hear shooters say that you have to shoot your way out of a slump. It seemed like Aaron, Andrew Harrison tried that yesterday, and it did not work. you got to wonder from a confidence standpoint where he's at. Before we dive too deep into this discussion of last night's game, we're going to head to a commercial break. And we'll come back and we're going to talk to Harrison's and how big of an issue this Kentucky offense is 
Uh, and can UNC pull off the upset? So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. To the sports talker with TJ Walker. We're back here, second segment, 1450 the Sports Buzz. Did a great job of not coughing in that first segment, but uh, there's no promises that that's going to happen again. The longer I go, the, the, the drier my throat gets. Anyways, uh, uh, on before we get back into UK sports and the, the dreadful game last night, Yates, I have to talk nerd to you here for a second. You ready? Always down to talk nerd. All right, so I bought this book yesterday, and it was the first time I've been in a bookstore in ages, probably since I bought the last Game of Thrones book. Uh, but I bought the the World of Ice and Fire, the untold, the untold history of Westeros in the Game of Thrones. Are you familiar? I am, yes. Have you read it? I have not. It's, it's on my Christmas list. Okay. Uh, uh, that's... I don't know if they make smaller books, and I'm sure you could probably get it on your phone or tablet or whatever it is. I've seen it. It's pretty gigantic. It is huge. To say it's gigantic, I don't know if it's actually bigger than the other Game of Thrones books, but it's, uh, you know, it's probably about a foot long, and and I'm probably a little bit bigger than that, and then just super, super thick. Uh, I was hoping that maybe you'd read it and could tell me that it would be worth my time. I mean, I already bought it, so obviously I'm going to read it. I've, uh, I've but, read a couple of reviews of it, and it, it if you're into the, the books, uh, as far as I've read, it's it's worth the read. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited for it. Then uh, I, I have not read the reviews of it. I just uh, I'm getting I'm sure as many Game of Thrones fans are can relate to. I'm getting a little antsy for this sixth book. Uh, so whatever I can do to pass the time. Has there been any buzz on when that could possibly come out, the, the next book? Uh, not that I've heard recently, I, but I, I honestly can't say that I've, I've checked uh, you know, in the past couple months to, to see if there's any update. I don't know. I, I think the hope is still that it comes out sometime next year, but that's probably just the hope. Yeah, that's what... Uh... I know that's when they were shooting for, but it, it probably doesn't seem as likely. You'd think he'd really want to get it out before 2016's Game of Thrones, I guess season six comes out. I know that we talked about this, and if you are new to the sports soccer or haven't been listening for the eight months or however long it's been, that we've been on the air, 10 months, I guess. Uh, we used to have Game of Thrones Mondays where we would talk and review the, the episode before, uh, which some people absolutely hated, some people liked, some people hated it because they hadn't seen the episode yet, and we would basically make them tune out for a segment. Uh, so we talk a lot of Game of Thrones on here. Uh, but y- you would think that he'd want to get the book in so the series had to follow him more likely or, or more or closely, uh, but – as we both know, and I think as you pointed out way back then, he, he sold off the rights to HBO after giving them an idea of what he wanted to do. Does that sound accurate? Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how it went down, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
so you think you'd want it maybe to have a, a bit more control and a bit more spin on it uh, in the books. I mean, I, I don't know how detailed their conversations were with HBO. Uh, I, I imagine probably pretty detailed, although in my mind, I just imagine them getting lunch and him being like, well, I'm going to have the Starks do this and I'm going to have the, uh, you know, the, the Tyrion Lannister do this and this and that. Uh, anyways, I'm sure it was a bit more detailed than that. Uh, all right. Anyways, we'll, we'll we'll get over the the nerd alert. I'm excited to get into this book, uh, but it is very overwhelming just looking at it, thinking how long it might take for me to read this, and how afterwards it it's not like I'll, I'll learn anything new as a person. Uh, I'll just learn a lot more about the background of Game of Thrones, which may or may not be worthless depending on who you are. Uh, but Let's move on to the UK-Columbia game, and let's talk about this, get it out of the way. need to find some time to talk UK football and, and the transfers that they took today. Maybe have to save that for the last segment. But uh, UK-Columbia, I, I started talking about Andrew Harrison and uh, the Harrisons as a whole, but specifically Andrew Harrison about how he didn't look exceptionally well yesterday, uh, and it's been a while. I don't know who it was on Twitter pointed out that <coughs> – and Andrew Harrison had a part in this because uh, he's shooting five threes, and he's not a very good three-point shooter, but – uh, there's unless UK hits four threes, or I, I I believe that UK already has the its worst four game three point shooting streak since they added the three point line in 1987, and it's so it's the worst three point shooting streak in UK history. And I, I think that they need 10 threes is what it was against UNC on Saturday to uh, avoid that streak. So basically, UK is on a historic historic uh, bad shooting streak, uh, and it doesn't – you know, you wonder – again, I've been optimistic about it. I don't think they're as bad as shooters as they've shown, but at some point, the numbers don't lie. And they've been really bad lately, uh, really bad. Whether it's been now, what, three or four straight games where they've gone into the second half without having a three. Uh, now it's been three straight games where they're around the five-minute mark of time where they haven't had a three. And remember that they've they've made a three in every game since 1988. I still don't think that that streak's going to be broken, although now it's starting to to seem like every game could be the game. Uh, I'm st- I, I still, despite how bad they've been, I don't think that they're going to have a game this year where they don't hit a three for reasons like you saw last night. It's just it's hard to go an entire game without hitting a three, and they shot more last night. So, uh, But one of the arguments I'd made about them pot- not being that bad of a three-point shooting team was, well, they're not getting a lot of looks. It's not part of their offense. Well, they got a lot of looks last night, and they still weren't hitting. Now, it doesn't help when you don't have your statistically uh, your two highest three-point shooters in Tyler Ulis and Devin Booker, it hurts when you don't have them playing. And they were both out. Devin Booker's got something funky going on with his knee. Uh, it's unclear whether or not he will play on Saturday. But everything I'm hearing is pointing towards that he won't. Uh, it's not an absolutely huge loss for Kentucky, but you would, you'd like to have a guy like like Booker in. Uh, you know, you'd, Obviously, you'd rather have him than not have him. Uh, with Tyler Ulis, I'm told that he will play. And, and that, that'll be good to have. I, I think he's a good option to play on Marcus Page. Uh, will help slow him down a little bit. 
and just be a change of pace on a different guy guarding Marcus Page. You could put a guy like Andrew Aaron Harrison on him, have a big physical guard, not let Marcus Page uh, easily get into the paint. And then you could put a guy like Tyler Ulis that will make it tough for Marcus Page to even dribble the ball. Uh, that's how in your face <clears throat> Tyler Ulis is. So it seems like he's going to play Devin Booker. It seems unlikely. Again, neither one is official or unofficial. Uh, we'll have to probably wait till tomorrow to know more about that. But it, it, it hurt last night having either one of those guys because statistically they are UK's best three-point shooters. But for me, again, I don't think this team has to be a great three-point shooting team to to reach its goal and win a national championship. They don't have to be. It would help. I do think that they need to be able to hit open threes. It, lately, they haven't been able to do that. But I still think it's all mental because, again, ask yourself if you're a U.K. fan. If Aaron Harrison has a, a, a wide-open three, do you want him to take it, yes or no? And the answer is yes. Again, Tyler Ulis, when he's healthy, if he's got a wide-open three, do you want him to take it? Yes. Devin Booker? Yes. You've got those three guys. Now, if it's Andrew Harrison and he's wide open, do you feel confident about him taking it? Yes or no? You might not feel confident, but there are worse shots that the offense can take. And he's been slumping without a doubt right now, but there's worse shots that he can take. Alex Poitras is probably getting closer to is probably closer to a no. You'd rather him not take it. But if it's wide open, late in the shot clock, let's make this hypothetical a little more detailed. Late in the shot clock, you'd probably say yes there. And then obviously Derek Willis, he he hit the 3-4 Kentucky yesterday. Uh, had a couple good looks and was only able to hit one of them. But if he has a wide open three, then UK fans go crazy. Uh, before the ball is even released. So obviously you'd be okay with him taking shots. And he played nine minutes, and he played pretty well uh, for only having five points and one rebound. I thought he played well. He seemed confident. He seemed ready to go. I think that's important out of Willis. I don't know. I don't think he's going to get a lot of minutes this year. I don't think he's going to get a lot of playing time this year. But for him to be able to come in, not be shy, ready to rock and roll from behind the arc, that's all you could want. So my point is... UK slumping, and it's bad, and this team will never be a great three-point shooting team. But you have guys that you feel good if they're open shooting it, and that's what's important. That's what's going to matter. If UK loses a game, if they lose to UNC, if they lose to Louisville, and you know they go 2-20 from three-point range, all right, th- then let's, let's start being concerned. Then uh, for UK fans, that's the time that you can start saying, all right, well, how... How is this Kentucky team going to figure it out? But as long as they're winning games, you know, who cares for the most part? Who cares? And again, obviously you'd rather them be making threes than not making threes. That's obvious, of course. But I I still think you've got decent three-point shooters on this team. So, you know, it's no harm, no foul for me right now. Is it ugly? Sure. Did Columbia hit eight threes to Kentucky's two, and it Kentucky was laboring from behind the arc? Yeah. But again, no harm, no foul at this point. What's more important is the offense needs to look better as a whole. You shouldn't, you shouldn't shoot 36% from the field against Columbia. And Columbia muddied up the game like, like I thought they would. Uh, didn't foul as much on shots. UK only shot 17 free throws. 
but they muddied up the game. They doubled, they triple teamed down on the post. They made it not only did they make it tough for UK's big guys to score in the post, but they made it tough for UK's big guys to pass out of the post. That was impressive. And Columbia did have some length uh, for being an Ivy League school. Did have some big bodies. So I, I think I mentioned on the show yesterday how these next few weeks you're going to see Camp Cal, and that's usually when Camp Cal they, he focuses on defense and make his team def- better defensively. Well, you're going to see them work on offense. So I think you're going to see a different offensive team, slightly, you know, maybe not drastically different, but you're going to see a better, more efficient offensive team over the next few weeks when when Cal can settle in on practices and not have to worry about game prep. Not that I think he's prepping much for teams like Columbia, anyways. So the sky's not falling yet on UK as an offense. <clears throat> it needs to get better. And, and as anybody that's ever listened to my show, I, I don't hate Louisville for it being a, maybe the, the most fierce rivalry in college basketball. Uh, if, and a guy that covers UK, I, I, I don't hate Louisville. It doesn't impact me or affect me one way if they win or lose. And a lot of my friends are Louisville fans, and I've got family that are Louisville fans, and I like to see them happy. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't care if Louisville wins or has success. I know UK fans hate to hear that. But, man, the text that I was getting in my group message, it's my fantasy football group message, and it's with, you know, it's with 11 or 12 guys, uh, predominantly all Louisville fans. I think there's just two Kentucky fans. You would have thought that Kentucky not only lost to Columbia, but lost big time. Uh, the group message was ugly. Louisville fans were feeling, the Louisville fans in the group were feeling very good about themselves and their matchup with UK. And Louisville did look good against Indiana. The offense came around and they were able to score from wherever and uh, looked better against Florida and Florida International and, and beat a, a, a talented Ohio State team at home. But let's not forget, Louisville fans, you all scored 45 points on Cleveland State and won that game 45 to 33. Now, I, I don't know who would win between Cleveland State and Columbia, and I don't think comparative scoring is uh, productive. But, you know, Louisville hasn't been perfect every game. And again, only scored 45 points at home against them. Uh, so you can allow Kentucky to have a, a stinker of a game. And last night was a stinker. There's no other way around it. Louisville fans already looking forward to the Kentucky game. Kentucky fans already looking forward to that game as well, despite having UNC and UCLA before that game. Uh, that's why it's just such a great rivalry, and I look forward to it too. And it's it's going to be a fun game, and it's fun to talk about matchups now. But <coughs> there's number one. Uh, but but we've and we'll have plenty of time, especially with UK only having one game or two games until then. I've got UNC Saturday, UCLA the following Saturday, and then it's U of L. So only three games left in the year for UK, and it's December 11th. It's kind of crazy to think about. Again, that 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 is again reassurance that John Calipari is going to get a lot of time with this team. Uh, but we, but we're going to head to our last commercial break, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about UNC and those matchups and why. Uh, UK needs to be much sharper, and I think they will be on Saturday. So stick around here on 1450 the Sports Bus.
You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back. Final segment here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. Uh, saw on Twitter during the break that the soccer team in Louisville, Louisville City FC uh, came out with some scarves that one of my old fraternity brothers uh, designed which is pretty cool to see. They, they look pretty awesome. You can follow Louisville City Football Club on Twitter at Lou City FC if you're interested in that. Uh, soccer and scarves go hand in hand. I don't know if there's some sort of history behind it other than, uh, you know, just scarves are what you wear when it's cold out. Uh, but they, they designed them and they're going to be for sale. Uh, Yates, have you have you bought your season tickets yet for Louisville City FC? I have not, not yet. Uh, between us, do you actually think you're going to buy season tickets, or are you just going to kind of pick and choose the games you want to go to? Uh, well, I guess between you, me, and everyone else listening, uh, I, at this point, I'll probably just buy individual game tickets because um, I don't I mean I, who knows. I don't know when the games will be, so I don't know. You know when I'd be able to go and if it'd be worth it to have full season tickets. So probably, yeah. probably just individual game tickets. I'm, I'm leaning and that's probably the smart thing to do. And I don't know if I'll go to every game. I don't know if I'll want to go to every game. Uh, I, I think I will, but you know, sometimes weather isn't great or you've got other stuff going on, but I almost just want to buy season tickets just to support them. So they can say that their numbers are better in some day in, in hopes and dreams of, landing uh, are being promoted to the MLS. I don't know if you're being promoted versus just uh, the MLS expanding and <clears throat> and choosing Louisville as a city. seems unlikely. Uh, they're already at 24 teams. I can't imagine them going to 30, and I'm sure that there's probably six other cities that might have a bigger soccer fan base than Louisville, but it, it wouldn't hurt. So I might, I might just buy the season tickets. If you buy the season tickets, you get another scarf, a uh, founder's scarf, so that might be some incentive for you there, Yates. That might change my mind. I might just have to do it. Uh, but anyway, so that I think they're working out their schedule right now. Uh, I think there's some meetings going on to finalize their schedule. Probably should hear about that soon enough. And uh, the games, I guess, are going to be in the spring, and that should be uh, something to look out for. Captain Arctic tweets into the show uh, that he, he, he sent a link to – Duke basketball report and what they're saying about the UK Duke game actually haven't clicked on it or read it. I'll, I'll try to do it after the show. now that we're out of breaks. Uh, but I imagine it's probably, he, he says that they write more about us than Duke. But here's the thing. And this happens at big time programs when they're really good. So much is there's so much hype around Kentucky right now. It's, it's unbelievable. And, and it might be almost a little too much and that's not Kentucky's fault. That's not John Calipari's fault. That's, that's nobody's fault besides it being a, a attractive team to talk about. But when there's so much hype around this team and uh, there, is, there is so much talk about the platoons and that, that partially is John Calipari's fault, uh, but he's a great marketer. So it, it worked when you have a, a, as much hype around a team as Kentucky does. It's you have a bad game. People are going to talk about it. You don't play well. People are going to talk about it. All season around Florida State, you had the nation talking about Florida State being a 
Twins and stuff, they were always in the news. So whenever they had a game, and most of Florida State's games weren't great games, they didn't blow out many teams, uh, you had people talking about them. So when Kentucky has a, a stinker of a game, you're going to have people everywhere talking about it, especially places like Duke that feel like that they should be getting more of that attention when, in reality, national news is going to talk about what people want to listen to. And right now people want to listen and, and hear and read more about Kentucky's team than Duke's team. I don't know why that is. Duke's a great team. They're, they're really good. But Kentucky's a, a bit more sexy right now, and I think uh, – I think the Duke fans are a little bit, a little jelly about it. A little jelly. Anyways, uh, moving on. Uh, Kentucky needs to be sharper. We're, we're running out of time for all, everything I wanted to get to. Kentucky obviously needs to be sharper against UNC. Uh, I think being a little bit more patient and not forcing stuff, taking up some more time in that shot clock, it, it's it's – the way teams are playing Kentucky, it's going to be tough for, for UK, and with how good UK's defense is, it's going to be tough for UK to, to score in the 80s and 90s anyways. So you might as well be a, a bit more patient. Take some more time on the shot clock. Make sure you get a better look. I, I think that's what they need to do against UNC, and, and it's, you kind of got to see how the tempo of the game is. But you don't, UNC is not going to try to run with Kentucky. And that would just be silly. So I think being a bit more patient would go a long way, and we'll preview that game in full tomorrow, again, as we are running out of time. So Kentucky takes in uh, two transfers, uh, switching to football. Kentucky takes in two transfers today from Nebraska, now uh, to go along with Braylon Hurd transferred over. Now they've got linebacker Courtney Love and tight end Greg Hart. They were both three stars on rivals when they uh, committed to Nebraska. But there's some whispers that Courtney Love could be immediately eligible for Kentucky. Uh, Justin Rowland of CatsIllustrated.com says that Greg Hart seems like it, it would be a longer shot to have immediate eligibility. But you talk about positions of need for Kentucky. I think the two that instantly jump out would be linebacker and tight end. Uh, Kentucky got seven receptions from their tight ends this season. Seven. Unbelievable. Uh, Devontae Parker got six catches against UK in one game, three of them being touchdowns. UK just got seven receptions from their tight end and really have not had a reliable tight end scoring option or receiving option. Forget about scoring. Just get somebody that can catch passes since Jacob Tammy in 2007. So think about that. And everybody points back to 2007 when it comes to UK football, and I understand it because it was such a fun year. It was like a team that, that could score with anybody. But 2007 is now seven seasons ago. That's a long time. You should have another reliable tight end since then. Uh, so maybe potentially that'll be Greg Hart. But Courtney Love is a linebacker. Kentucky just really needs some better linebackers, help stop the run, and also to be able to cover some guys. Uh, Courtney Love looks the part. Uh, he looks like a, a guy that could fit right in in the SEC. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's eligible right away. If he's not, then, you know, he's going to get another year, and that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Recorded six tackles for Nebraska this year. Uh, not great, but he was a freshman, so played a limited role. 
Uh, he'll get better in time without a doubt. So big additions for Kentucky. Still nothing. Haven't heard anything when it comes to the offensive coordinator for the Cats. Uh, what we're hearing is that Mark Stoops is going to be extremely patient with this hire. Uh, he's in no rush. I don't think that's the way to go. But I, but I, if between the two options of rushing and hiring somebody that you're not 100% sold on versus waiting and being patient and getting your guy, you obviously rather be patient. I, from a recruiting standpoint, the longer it goes, the the worse it is in the now. Now, if you make a, a slam dunk hire in three weeks, well, you can make up for that time that you lost. But every day that UK doesn't have an offensive coordinator, first off, teams are recruiting against UK with that. And UK will have no rebuttal for that. And second, it's it's a little unsettling for recruits, not knowing who it is, who it could be, if it's going to be your style, if it's not going to be your style. So you start thinking about some other options. And that goes with committed guys, too. So I, if it was me, I'd probably try to speed up the process. It doesn't seem like Stoops is doing that. And I, that will be, again, as I've said so many times today, that'll be no harm, no foul if they make a good hire. We know that Lincoln Riley is in uh, consideration. He'll be a guy that <clears throat> will will get a look, will get an interview. Uh, it will not be Chris Hatcher from Murray State. He took the head coaching job at Stanford. Uh, he was I, I, I talk about how I talked about on the show earlier this week about how Kentucky had so many great options for offensive coordinator. I didn't feel that Chris Hatcher at this time was one of those great options. I don't know if you can take the head coach of a D2 school and put him in as an offensive coordinator in the SEC and that translate perfectly. Also, from a recruiting standpoint, recruiting to Murray State is a completely different animal to recruiting at Kentucky. Uh, so he will not be be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Justin Rowland recently put on Cats Illustrated that Mark Stoops may go outside the box. So if that's not a big tease, I don't know what is. It might be uh, a very uh, – it, it could be a big splash. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we'll text in the show and uh, ask if if I actually am considering getting season tickets for that soccer team. Yes, I am. And I think if you are into soccer and you live in Louisville or within, you know, close to Louisville, hell, even if you live in Lexington and you like soccer, I think you should do it too. And I think that team's going to need all the support that it can get, and it would be a, a good indication of pro sports, despite it being a Division three or a, a – third tier soccer program uh, soccer league it'll show that Louisville can su- support pro sports and if that helps for soccer MLS then great uh, I'm still hoping and wishing and praying for an NBA team someday in Louisville I'm getting uh, I am more and more pessimistic that that's going to happen unfortunately uh, but if you like soccer, you should you should definitely get into that. Uh, anyway, so we're out of time for today. We'll come back for tomorrow's show and talk UK, UNC, preview the weekends. I'll give you my picks, PT picks of the week. Uh, we don't have any more football to, left to go, so it'll be basketball. And so that'll be fun. We'll, we'll switch gears there. We'll keep records of it. Uh, and you guys can tell me how bad of a job I do 
on Monday, and it'll be fun. Uh, but big, big UK UNC preview tomorrow. So stick around uh, for tomorrow's show. Listen to Trevor's show after this, and we'll see you tomorrow at 3. Thanks for listening. 1450 The Sports Bus. They say welcome to the 502. Take a Georgia boy, show him how Kentucky do. Oprah Freaks, Classics, Pink Kentucky Blue. They say don't forget 27, don't be hitting two. Song call it blue, grass, song call it purple. I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron. Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to BG in my zone.